In today's world, we could categorize organizations into two camps, those that add value and those that add cost. What type of organization are you? What's your definition of value? How will you know when you are adding and creating value for your customers? Do your most important clients know the extra lengths that you go to to provide them with unexpected, relevant and personalized value that's ultimately useful to them? With value being undefinable to many and different to each of your key accounts, I wanted to peel back a few layers of this really big onion and explore value with my guest today, Warwick Brown, who's the founder of Account Manager Tips. As a fellow CAM activist, his mission is to help organizations leverage the power of key account management to accelerate client retention and revenue. He's got over 15 years experience in the field, leading business development and account management teams in Australia and Europe, and working with some of the world's most prestigious firms, including Merck & Co, Deutsche Bank, McKinsey & Company, and Vodafone. And he's also recently launched the CAM Club, a private learning community that helps account managers get results. Listen on to hear his definition of value, where he feels the most mistakes are made by account managers when it comes to value, and how we track and demonstrate what we're achieving for clients, and also what today's market has done to the playing field with value in the B2B world. Welcome to CamCast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. So my guest today is a great example of when birds of a feather flock together. He's a fellow CAM activist and his mission in helping organizations leverage the power of key account management to accelerate client retention and revenue is what brings us together. Warwick and I chat quite regularly about what's going on in the world of CAM and it's a pleasure to have him join me today on CAMcast. Warwick, welcome. Hello, David. Uh, hello, listeners. Thrilled to be here and really excited. Uh, yeah, congratulations on the launch of the podcast. Thank great, you. To, great to have uh, more voices out there in, in CAM. Absolutely. And listen, we've picked a really big topic for us to explore today. One that, as I always say, is beautifully simple. And of course, it's never that easy. And the topic is value. So Warwick, let's kick off and ask the question, what is your definition of value? Well, I'm glad you asked that, David, because it's a question that I've pondered for a long time, and it's really hard to put your finger on. It's that really sort of indefinable thing for a lot of people. But where I like to start is I've got a few things that sort of bring together my definition of value. So, you know, the, the Oxford Dictionary defines value as something that's held to, you know, in high regard, the importance or the worth or the usefulness of something. So I like to latch on to that that idea of useful. So if you can think of something that you bring to your client that's useful, and then you can overlay it with a few extra qualities, things like um, unexpected, something that's maybe unforeseen or surprising, bring in something that's relevant, you know, uh, closely connected to what they want to achieve or what they're they're doing with your solution. And, you know, differentiated in the sense that it might be distinct or a little bit special. And you roll all of those things together, you know, and combine them. I think that's kind of a good place to start when we're talking about value for clients. Useful, unforeseen, or surprising, relevant, and uh, you know, differentiated. 
I like the idea of it being surprising. That's uh, that's a word that we we talk a lot about sort of exceeding customer expectations. But actually, in order to do that, sometimes it needs to be a surprise, right? What what sort of surprises have you seen? Uh, I guess in your work with clients. I mean, when I say surprise, I don't think it's always about completely off piece out of the box all the time. I think it's about being alert to opportunities, about seeing things that potentially your client has missed, looking for things where little little areas that you can make a difference, help bring a, or hasten an outcome, get a better result, improve things, but really trying to get your client to focus on things that they are not spending time on that can deliver results or can maybe get them to focus on. So yeah, that's what I say is surprising, not, you know, because if it's completely coming out of nowhere, out of left field, they might be a little bit confused. Where is this coming from? Why, why are you offering this to me now? How come I don't know anything about this? It sort of opens up this Pandora's box of questions. It still needs to be connected to what you do. Yeah. And I always think that sort of when you are looking for value that is connected with what you do, we run the risk, I guess, of delivering what I would call value for money. Uh, You know, people do expect to get value from whatever purchase they're making with you, whether it be a product or or a service or an experience that they're going to give you money and they expect to get value back for that money. And I think in today's world, perhaps it's not just value for money that they're looking for. It's it's value for free. And maybe that's where for me, the surprise bit comes in. It's it's the it's the extra bit of value that they weren't necessarily anticipating they were gonna they were gonna get. Yeah, completely agree with you. I mean, doing your job is expected. Delivering what you said you would deliver is expected. So that's not really what I would consider value. It may be valuable. It might you know drive an imp- a business impact for your client. But you know if you're you're offering a you know a CRM solution and you provide a CRM solution, well. Is that valuable? I mean, it is to a degree, but that's the kind of expected value. And I think being in their B2B elements of value, call that sort of table stakes, you know, the stuff that people contract, the stuff that says the stuff that's on the tin. Um, but beyond that, exactly as you say, I think that's a, a great way to sort of think about it. And, and I guess I, th- I always think back to uh, sort of, you know, I guess the first round of sales training I ever attended, uh, sort of sales 101 type training and and looking at the idea of benefit statements uh, within sales. So we talk a lot, especially with solutions about all the features of the solutions. And then we have a stab at talking about what the advantages of those features might be. And then if we're hardened sales professionals, we'll of course talk about the, the, the benefits as well. And the benefits, that's where the value lies. Uh, it's it's the personalized value that the client is going to get from whatever it is that you're doing for them or, or providing them. It's almost like, and actually, you know, the, the, the sales trainer, the first sales trainer I ever saw talk about this, simply wrote two words on the flip chart. And those words were, so what? So what? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they were my, they were designed just to get you keep asking what what does that really mean? What value yeah. is there to to the customer? I guess. Yeah, my my boss many many years ago when I was sort of in my first big account management role said exactly the same things. She said every time you think about anything you do for a client, so what? What now? What comes next? And that really transformed the way I looked at how I interacted and engaged with my clients. I think you know you sort of touched on a point there around you know value is is not a one size fits all 
proposition. And I think our job as account managers is to customize that value to appeal to what's important to different stakeholders. And what's also important is that we communicate that value because sometimes our clients don't realize it. You know, we're so busy being those quiet achievers, that little sort of the, the, you know, the the duck on top of the pond that's just paddling away, but, you know, underneath belies all of the, the hard work making all of that, those smooth operations happen. So I think our job is definitely to help our clients see what we do and to qualify our value in th- terms of, you know, business issues like finding out what's important to them, uncovering improvement opportunities, finding ways to translate that improvement opportunity into a business value. Because you can say, oh, well, this might help user experience, but bottom line, there's usually a requirement at some point of the discussion to impact the bottom line, cost avoidance, cost reduction, or growing revenue. And then how do you bring this all together or bundle this all together with evidence? You know, how can you use data? How can use benchmarks? How can you use your track record to prove to them that, you know, this can be achieved uh, and that you're the person to do it? So I think all of those things, those unique parts come together for people as well as organizations, even though you might provide the same solution to everybody, the way people perceive it and the way people utilize it and the difference it makes and the value they take from it, you know, is flexible. Mm. And your point about communication, that for me is massively underlooked with a lot of people that we work with. They, And I think I think it comes from finding a balance between shouting about all the great stuff that you're doing for the client and supporting them to realize it. And those two are very different things, aren't they? You know, we, we can stand on our soapbox and say how fabulous we are. And actually, what we really want to do is enable and empower the customers to tell us how fabulous we are. So, yeah, exactly. so, the, so the communication yeah. is the key. Yeah. You know, what, what, what's the best way to do that? In your experience, how do we communicate value in, in the best possible way? I think absolutely the business reviews are the, the mainstay of sort of the, the way that you can communicate value because they're, they're in place. Everybody expects them. Using them as sort of future-focused opportunities to bring in some of your strategic insights, your recommendations, and also celebrate some of your successes in the past the business review is a perfect format and the perfect audience because usually that attracts, you know, some decision makers, budget holders, people that are invested in the partnership uh, and can get, you know, some some even potential guests along for particular business reviews to promote some of the things that you've been doing. So I definitely use that. Yeah. But you know, you need to think about how you communicate and engage with your clients, and don't 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 be too shy. But like you say, you don't want to be like constantly going, "I'm so great, look at me, I've done this, I've done that." But it's important because without those conversations, it's going to be really difficult to move into that sort of strategic partner space. It's going to be difficult to really define or uncover what value means because, like we said, you've got to be flexible and adapt. The, the value positioning to different audiences, even within the same client base. And it's also about credibility because the more you can demonstrate successes, the more you can talk to, you know, and, and qualify and quantify the results you're getting for your clients together, you know, you're going to get recognition for it and people are going to see you and respect you for the, the things that you can do for them. 
It's, it's good that you mentioned the business review there. I think in our experience, some of our listeners might be thinking, you know, business review, what, what is that? Whereas others will be more familiar with perhaps having a, a QBR, a quarterly business review with their most important customers, a chance to sit down and, and uh, look forward, look at what's coming up, look at, you know, uh, delivering some insight back to the customer, looking at the data. There's some great value in, in the QBR itself, whilst others are not even at that that table yet. I, I read something a little while ago that said the QBR is dead. The QBR is dead. Mm. It, it really it pricked up my ears and, and, and I thought, really? Mm. The QBR is dead? And then I thought, well, why? Why is it? Is it dead or dying? And perhaps the answer is there's not enough value in them. And by them, I mean, I guess, many of them that are not being run well, and we're not demonstrating back to the client what's been going on and, and what value we've we've added. And we're not future thinking, we're not looking for, we just turn up for what I would call that sort of catch-up conversation. And a catch-up conversation, as nice as it might feel if people are nice, doesn't really get us anywhere. Um, it, it, how do you find that? How do you feel about the idea that the QBR might be dying? I mean, I've written and sort of done a bit of content around QBRs, and I don't think that it's dying. I just think it's boring. I think, you know, our jobs as account managers is to find what's interesting about it and invest the time in preparation and, you know, use the opportunity to interact with your client to actually talk, future focus, make decisions, agree actions, talk about the things that are important and potential opportunities that are there. Don't spend the hour or 90 minutes that you have going, so... um. You spent this much last year. You're spending less this year than you did the year before. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, that's boring. That's a waste of time. Everybody mm -hmm. can run reports. Mm -hmm. Everybody has access to data now. In the old days, there wasn't such a thing as self in the old days, back in my day. <laughs> but you, know, you didn't have self-service reporting. There wasn't. You didn't have access to data. You need Without your account manager, you had no idea kind of what you were spending, what was going on. But now it's at your fingertips. You know, we're kind of overwhelmed. We're drowning in data. So your clients don't need you to tell them how much they're spending. They don't need you to tell. They need you to know what, what, what it all means. How can they reduce the mm. spend? How can they be more efficient or effective with it? And that means you've got to do some digging. You've got to do some prep. You know, and you've got to also hold your client accountable to do some on their own part as well. They shouldn't just be turning up passively just saying, present to me. You know, they should be there also having come to the table prepared and it's helped God to kind of, you know, um, corral all those stakeholders and make sure everybody does their bit, then you get a great review. But if you just want to rock up with a presentation, a couple of this year, last year charts, just do it by email. You know, it's a waste of everyone's time to actually have a meeting about it. Mm. And, and boring's the word there, isn't it? You, you, need, you need to make it quite the opposite. You need to make it interactive. You need to make it engaging and you need to make it interesting. If, you, if it's all three of those things, then actually there's value in, in the meeting itself. Camcast, key account management made easy. It would be wrong to sort of talk about value without throwing a little bit of context in terms of today's market, today's world. Do you think it's changing or, or, or changed because of our current uh, world climate? Of course, with the with the pandemic and uh, you know with the where the economy is, it has people's sort of palette towards value uh, shifted. I think the biggest and simplest and easiest way to provide value is to transform information into knowledge because we're drowning in information. Clients come to you, and I've been reading a lot on this lately, but the buying process, the decision-making process, 
the filtering of information, 90% of that is done before prospects and existing clients reach out to their suppliers and their, their uh, potential stakeholders. They do all that homework before they even get to you. So th there is no shortage of quality information out in the world from thousands of stakeholders on any topic you like. You know, So that's not the challenge. More information is not the challenge. The challenge is to figure out what to do with that information, how that drives decisions, and what the results of those decisions and impact of those decisions will be. So I think from an account management point of view, and certainly right now with so much happening, the, the needle moving so fast, you know, the easiest way for us to, uh, and what, what clients I think are looking for is you to help them make better decisions, not for you to give them more information and go, well, here's more stuff, more like, well, of what we know today, here's what my advice is. And when we think about, I guess, you know, what, what's working well in terms of value, what customers are expecting, there's lots of great ideas there. Where, where does it go wrong? What, what, what mistakes do account managers make when it comes to value? So two, there's two things. First is you're not doing your research. You're not invested in your client's industry. You're not really invested in your own industry. You're kind of going from meeting to meeting, from email to email. You're, you know, the, the week is in control of you and you're not proactively keeping yourself informed. You don't, you haven't formed a point of view. You don't have an opinion. You, you know, you don't really have any perspective. You know, you're, you're doing what you need to do, but you're not taking it to the next level by really starting to position your expertise and, and investing time in learning and figuring stuff out. So part B of that is just a sort of robotically adhering to whatever value proposition you've been told from your marketing team, from your company's corporate website, from your sales collateral, from your PowerPoint decks, your pitch decks, and just regurgitating them, just literally repeating them, at, you know, verbatim without actually thinking, is that right? Do I... Do I do I agree? What do I think of all the things we say we're best at? Do I think we're, we are the best at? Where do I think there are some potential challenges? How do I think we sit in terms of the competition? So, you know, that do your own SWOTs, do your own market research, form your own opinion about what makes your company valuable, not just what you've been told is valuable. It's time for the Camcast Killer Question. So this is the chance where, Warwick, you get to ask our listeners a great question that gets them reflecting about something in their business, something that can support them in adding more value or reflecting on what value they are bringing to the table. What is your killer question, Warwick? I'm going to challenge your listeners to write down two or three things that make their company completely different, unique with qualities that nobody else can claim and, and see how you go. It's, it's tough, but it's a good place to start to think about value. Excellent. So three things that nobody else can claim. Uh, they've got to be unique. Uh, if you want a reminder of that question, uh, head to the website camguru.com forward slash podcast and you'll find that on the show notes. So Warwick, let's talk about measuring and 
tracking because value value as I, I I sometimes say is in the eye of the beholder right uh, it's it's quite personal to to the customer it's going to be very different to each customer mm-hmm. and yet you know actually we don't want subjective measures in place we don't want anecdotal subjectivity we want some quite hard measures in the business how do we get value to be measured and how can we track whether we're doing well or, or could be doing better. What, what are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, obviously, you know, what gets measured gets managed. So you're right, it's really important because how do you know if it's adding value if you can't sort of find some way to quantify it? So this is how I go about it. So once you've decided what you're actually going to focus on, you know, you need to think about what lead or lag measures. So lead, lead measures are those that help you influence the result. So, for example, if you're talking about sales targets, a lead measure a, a lead measure would be how many sales calls do we need to do a week to hit our sales targets? Because if you know that the sales calls aren't hitting that number that's required, then you can do something to fix the number of sales calls so that you can influence the sales results. If you just measure how much we did in sales, which is a lag measure, well, you can't do anything else. It's too late. The horse is bolted. So trying to take one or two steps back to think about what, what can I measure that's going to give me some insight that can help me intercept, you know, problems or anticipate, you know, challenges. It's like, you know, if you're looking at, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that example because that's probably the best one to think about, you know, lead or lag, what do you want to measure? But then once you've figured out what it is, you've, you want to start looking at metrics. So you want to look at, well, what is it today? What is our goal? What's the difference? But then importantly, you must also subtract the costs because, you know, it's either there is a, you know, a fixed cost involved, like actual hard cash, or there's going to be time resources required. You might not be cutting a check, but it could take you 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 hours. There might be a whole bunch of other people involved. So it's still important that you consider some of those soft costs and subtract them all so you can get the true you know, measurement and what you're working towards. And that'll also help you figure out whether or not it's worth pursuing. Totally. And uh, it's come, come back to one of the questions that we talked about earlier on that. So what is the sort of end result of adding and creating enough value, getting the response back from the customer almost? That's what, you know, it, it's it's effectively yeah. them saying, that's what I really liked. That's that's what was great. And that's why we're choosing to work with you. In an ideal world, every customer would be, you know, banging down the door to give us that sort of testimonial framed that we can then use with other clients and with other products prospects. What, what do you think we can do, uh, you know, on the topic of testimonials? What, what can we do to generate more testimonials? How can we, you know, go go after the, the, the testimonials from our existing customer base? I mean, strike while the iron's hot. So the minute that you get a result and they're happy, you hit them up for a testimonial. Literally, I will say, if they send me an email going, oh, thank you, Warren. that was an amazing result. So great that we got that, you know, ahead of schedule or over budget or under budget or whatever it is, over target, under budget. I'd be like, do you mind if I just copy and paste that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm just going to use it for proposals not, or maybe a website, not necessarily going to be splashing it all over yeah. uh, my marketing material. I think there's nothing like a happy client that's in a great mood. They're all, you know, buzzed up on, you know, the joy of hitting their targets or getting a result. It's a great time to do that. Make it easy. Have it prepared. Know what you want to say. Decide, is it going to be a, you'll know your client. Are you going to hit them up for a big case study, like a video case study? You want to get your crew out there to film film some, some videos? Do you just want like a tagline? Kind of know where you're at and, and have some thoughts about what you're going to hit them up for. Don't, 
you don't want to go for, oh, come in and participate in our global conference. We want to film you. We want to have this. If you know they're not, they're not ready for that. So I'm not always a big fan of the big ask. Sometimes I think start small and then work your way up to some of those bigger testimonials you might want. Yeah, and one of the small things I guess you could do if you if you're copying pasting is to copy and paste it into a recommendation request on on LinkedIn. You, you could say, you know, do, mm. do you mind putting that into a LinkedIn recommendation? If they do that online, then they are, I guess, agreeing and, and saying they're okay for you to use that wherever you need to use it, whether that be a proposal or you know, anecdotally with another customer or whatever. So uh, perhaps the LinkedIn recommendation is a good way to copy paste and ask customers to submit i want to just come back maybe to something that i mentioned earlier on about sort of value for money versus value for free often i think one of the challenges when we're trying to create value for free is that we go too far in terms of the return and the reward that we're going to get back Mm -hmm. we almost end up you know over delivering massively over delivering and the customer is delighted and we've eroded our profit margin to next to nothing any ideas on how we can get the balance right between creating value for free but also getting paid enough i mean that happens all the time i think you know as account managers we're problem solvers we want our clients to be happy we're gold on retention we're gold on share of wallet we're gold on all the things that you know uh, account growth and those require us to you know get in there and get our hands dirty and make things happen. The problems that are attached to over-servicing, which, is, which happens all the time. Firstly, uh, you don't have a very good job description. You know, you, you maybe don't have good clarity on what you're meant to be doing. You're not communicating to your client the scope of work and what an account manager does so they know where the lines in the stand are. Maybe you haven't segmented your customers well enough or clearly enough so you know what they all get. And then you haven't you haven't taken a moment to really think about is this worth the limited amount of time I have and not just jumping straight into a yes, you know, have a think about your response. And a lot of times, even if it's something I could do in 10 seconds, I will tell a client they have to wait till the next day because I want them to attach value to it. I want them to appreciate okay, this takes me time, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't jump on it, even though I could, because it sets that expectation. I've had clients where like, they complain to my manager because I took more than 24 hours to reply to an email because I was that, that person that jumped on it within five minutes. So I'd yeah. see a little ping on my notifications. I'd drop everything. I'd reply. I'd get them their report. I'd, you know, handle any query. I'd chase up an invoice. I'd follow up on a refund. I'd, and then when I stopped doing that, they all freaked out. And, attaching value to what you do, thinking before you act, you know, okay, is this, am I, same with value. I see this all the time. Account managers go, oh, we could do this. We could do that. We could do this. We could do this. And then they add it all up and it's worth 3000 pounds. And I'm like, okay, so that's a year's worth of project management work. You're going to do all of this stuff. Your client's not going to care about it because there's no return on investment, but you've now committed a ton of stuff, your time and everybody else's in the company for such low-hanging fruit with no return on investment, go big or go home, you know what I mean? And is it, is, do you think it's good practice to sometimes detail what you're doing and how much you could and should charge for it? And then disc, so then, then show them, I guess, the free value that they're getting in monetary terms so that they can see that. Do you think there's some good mileage in doing yeah. that? Uh, I'm not a big fan of like, some people back in my one of my jobs, we've kept a waivers and favors log. So we tried to like remind them all the time of all the freebies, we, you know, the things that we've gotten, given them, given away. I do like to go, look, 
I like to, like to build up into a bit of a story. You know, if they want me to do something and I'm going to give it away, I always call it a waiver. I never say it's free. I never say it's included yeah. because a, saying you've waived on this occasion just this time, just this once, we'll waive the refund fee or, you know, we'll waive that charge or, you know, we'll waive the blah, blah, blah. It, it already sounds like you have a fee attached and it, it's almost like a proviso, like, okay, just this once or just this year or just this contract, but it's a one-off and that we'll have to revisit this later. So I always couch those things in terms of waive rather than free or included or discounted or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's also important, you raise a good point about just visibility. I think we have to show our clients. So I'm a big fan of account plans. Uh, I love cloud-based account plans where you can collaborate. So not just sending email attachments in Excel, but actually building them in tools like Trello or Asana or Airtable or whatever you might use, but trying to be much more transparent because it builds accountability on both sides, but also builds that book of evidence. So at the end of the year, you don't have to go trying to figure out what you did, you've collected all that evidence during the course of the year and your client is constantly reminded of the things you've done for them, whether they are the freebies or the waivers or whether they're the more um, project-based, you know, plans that you got in place. Warwick, we could talk about this all day. It's a massive topic. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now and just mm -hmm. say if you could give our listeners three of your top tips for creating value, demonstrating value, getting the best out of the whole value topic in their day-to-day -day account management roles, what would your top three tips be? My top three tips, number one, ask your key contact what do you need to achieve? What does your boss expect you to deliver? How are you going to get a bonus? Like what's in your performance? What do you, what do you need to get done this year? How can I help? If you do nothing else, just ask that one question. Number two, create a little highlight slide or something that can be easily messaged up throughout your client's organization of all the good things you've done every quarter. Just a cute little one page PowerPoint slide embedded in an email so it showcases some of the good work that they've done. And C would be to find some way to measure stuff. All of that, you know, efficiency, quality, you know, um, user experience stuff is great. But bottom line, when it comes to contract renewals, somebody somewhere is going to be looking for some bottom line stuff. So try and find some way to quantify even a handful of the things that you do for them. They're my three. Great stuff. Um, we can put those on the website, camguru.com forward slash podcast. Check out the show notes uh, if you want to remind yourself of those. Um, Warwick, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, if any of our listeners want to get in touch or find out more um, about you and, of course, the Cam Club, uh, how can they do that? What's the best way to get in touch? Find me at LinkedIn, uh, Warwick Brown, or you can uh, head over to thecamclub.com or accountmanager.tips. You'll find me there too. Great stuff. Warwick, thank you so much for joining us today on Camcast. Thanks, been a pleasure. Camcast, key account management made easy. So, are you a value creator or a cost creator? If you can hold your hand on your heart and say that you create value for your key accounts, do they know? Are you telling them? And are you measuring it in the business? It's important that whilst we might glide around making everything look easy, we find the right moments to demonstrate how much effort we go to under the service. In other words, don't be a duck. In a world where clients want and need more from you now than ever before, Warwick's three tips are a great place to start. Number one, ask your main contact what they need to achieve and how you can help them. 
Number two, create a highlight reel of all the good things that you've done, ready to share it in reviews with your key accounts. And number three, find a way to track and measure the value you create for clients. What are your lead measures that you can monitor to guide you in the direction of success? With differentiation being a real challenge for so many businesses, what is your business the best at doing? What is it the first to do? And what is it the only one doing? Value really isn't a one size fits all. And our job as account managers is to identify what is important to different stakeholders and then customize that value for each of them. Always asking the so what and what next questions. Don't forget to check out all the details for this episode and all other episodes at camguru.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the series so far and you'd like to conduct a mini health check for your business and the cam culture within it, don't forget to check out our five part video mini series via the link on the website. Thank you for listening to this episode of Camcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com, one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app, and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.